Welcome to The Coconut Connection, a podcast where we share our cultural views about various topics to inform, empower, and hopefully entertain with humor. In other words, it's cheaper than therapy. I'm your host, Jade Fox. And I'm G Supreme. Baby Yodas we are, Jedis we are not. Yet. Welcome back to part two of our conversation with Dr. Joanne Rodilia about colorism and how we can be part of the solution and break the cycle. Why Philippine identity is so complicated is because we're so far removed from like who we are like back home. And when we are back home, there's such an emphasis on that removal, right? Because even among Filipinos, you know, there's a lot of like, um, you know, Filipinos, you know, like within our families or within our communities, like there's a lot of like degrading indigenous Filipinos. Like, yeah, like um, I was looking at like old family photos and there's this place in Baguio called Imelda Park. And it's where like tourists go and they take pictures with like the Igorot tribe. Yes. Yes. You know, and yeah, and like I, I look at these. I actually wrote a piece in a in an anthology recently, um, very briefly about that. Where you know, like it's this odd situation because here we were Filipinos from the diaspora visiting the Philippines in the early '80s, and we go mm-hmm. to Imelda Park and we're taking pictures with, you know, the indigenous people, and you know, like my. and I'm sure I participated in this as well, you know, sort of like looking down at, you know, these people in the Malong and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, seeing them as like savage. And then later on in college, participating in Filipino culture (laughs) night and like, you know, you know, like that sort of fractured relationship that we have with, you know, um, with indigenous Filipinos, like people who can genuinely identify as indigenous, right? There's such this mm. fractured relationship yeah. that happens on both sides, you know? Um, so I don't know, did you both watch uh, PBS uh, in May? They did that series on Asian Americans. I watched one oh. of the episodes. Okay. I forget, yeah, I, it was really well done, but I, for, I, I forgot which one it was, but it had Filipinos in it, but it was really well done. I didn't get watch the whole series. Did you watch the whole series? Of course, because I had to. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. You know. <laughs> I was like, I can go back and watch it, but yeah, I watched. I caught like night three or something. Yeah. So the so the first episode, what a lot of people were sort of buzzing about was the the first episode actually opens with Filipinos at the World's Fair, and the woman oh, who yes. is talking. She's a descendant of one of the people in the in the World's Fair, and really? um, yeah. And in uh, I was in like a meeting, you know, like a meeting of like other Filipino scholars. Then one of the people in that meeting said, "If you notice her, she never identifies herself as Filipino. Mm. She identifies as Igorot because oh. historically Filipinos have." Rated Igorots. And so she's very much like, I am not Filipino, like I'm Igorot. So she never identifies as a Filipino, even though in the documentary, in that opening, mm-hmm. uh, in that opening like sequence, like, you know, this is sort of how they opened like Asian 
American history was through like the lens and experience of, of these indigenous Filipinos, right? So, you know, like there's in the Filipino community, there's a lot that we have to confront and, you know, grapple with, especially within our own, um, our own like prejudices. Yes. And I'm so, yeah. I, I'm so glad, Lacey, that like this is opening my eyes only because I know that me and G talked about this in our previous, like how it's almost like we're ashamed. Like I, like, you know, growing up, we never embraced, you know, our family never embraced like our Filipino, <clears throat> right? And I did. I had like a kind of like, not discrimination. It's like I had this prejudice against my own people, you know, and, and I didn't know where that came from. I didn't know why. But when I'm hearing you talking, I'm like, okay, no, this makes so much sense. Like why I have these ideas and why my family members are a certain way or, or the way that they look at themselves. And this is like so opening, like my eyes. It's just like, it's such a weird moment, you know, hearing you talk oh. and going, wow. <clears throat> well, that's why I want to talk about connecting it to the present and, um, you know, how it's our deeply rooted um, prejudices affect the now and especially the things that are happening now, well, has been happening, but it's at the forefront, which is um, racism and systemic racism and anti-Black um, prejudices. Um me and Jade often talk about uh, about how do we confront this or face this difficulty with people we know, because um, it's not enough to be not racist. You yeah. have to be anti-racist and you have to do something mm -hmm. about it. It's like we're doing our part and mm -hmm. our part is within our circle, you know, growing <clears throat> out. So how can we like, what, why do we have such a difficult time? Some people have a difficult time aligning themselves with the BLM movement. Like, what do you think um, that is? Yeah, well, you know, uh, different, like, pe different people are in different places in their, um, their consciousness development. Okay. Some people don't want to develop that racial consciousness at all because they're quite comfortable you know uh there's a book called the possessive investment in whiteness it's actually a very classic book in ethnic studies uh written by george uh george lipschitz and um you know he talks about like people invest in whiteness because there's actual like monetary value in investing in whiteness and so like when i think about this in relation to filipinos this is why some people you know choose to invest and invest heavily right they um they change their names they do mm. certain things to sort of like lighten and brighten themselves because there's a monetary there's an actual monetary return right and so when you're so heavily invested in these systems of like uh white nationalism and white supremacy you don't want to let go of that power because that power has brought you comfort. It's gotten you the house and the car and the jobs. And you know what I mean? Like, you know, so like there are people who just don't want to, who don't see the, the need in that because they're sitting pretty. Right. So like yeah. people are in, yeah, like different people are in different um, journeys of their, of their consciousness. But what's interesting about the historical moment is that even if you're someone who's sitting pretty in this like whiteness investment, 
it's suddenly uncomfortable because we're in a pandemic. So like we don't get to, even if we turn off all, all the news and all the media and decide, I don't want to hear it, you still can't not hear it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, like even people who like are, he- are heavily invested in like the whiteness project, they suddenly are trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, have I been investing wrong? Or um, like, what can I do to protect my investment, right? So mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, so like, this is why it's so hard to have a conversation. And, you know, like what people are experiencing right now is what a lot of people in ethnic studies have experienced their entire lives, which is this is hard work. Yeah. This is hard work without a hard line return. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because a lot of people think, well, if I talk to my family and, you know, we engage in these conversations, we will reach in this harmonious place where we can all agree racism sucks. <laughs> no, not right. right? Like, no. Yeah. It's very yeah. difficult to, yeah. and you don't know even where to start or how to start. And even if you say something, it's like, it just kind of falls off. It like, goes nowhere. It, just, it goes nowhere. It just yeah, yeah. changes the subject. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And so, you know, like there are like, you know, like I don't have easy answers or like, you know, I don't have like a set of tips for people to follow because, you know, the variables are so far and wide, right? Mm. Um, what, yeah, what I yeah. do. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying that, you know, doing our podcast and um, it's funny because I don't really think a lot of our family listens to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> because they're automatically they're like, oh, you're talking about your Filipino Pinoes, uh, you know, yes. and it's yes. oh, you're doing the Filipino thing, like yes, yeah. but you're the yes. one that's from the Philippines. Exactly, yes. you're doing the Filipino yes. thing. Doing I'm the like Filipino thing. <laughs> we are Filipino, but we I are. Yeah. Like, aren't you happy yeah. that we're finally embracing it? Like, yeah. So but see, that's magic. the erasure that I'm talking about. Yeah, erasure, you know. Yes. You know, yeah. Like it's because, like, you know, in like in family parties, when I observe like aunts and uncles, sort of like you know, going gaga over like my, you know, like mixed race nieces mm-hmm. and nephews. Like there's a part of me that dies because I'm like, you, you're, you love these kids or like you, you reward these kids because you see them as like, again, it, it's that erasure. Like, you know, they're seeing what they love mm-hmm. and I'm seeing what they're losing, what they honor losing right? Like what they're okay losing, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, it's, it's, uh, it's a very painful, like for me at least, right? Cause like when, when I have like my critical lenses on, it's like, it's a yeah. very painful thing, yeah. you know, like, and, and it's articulated, like, especially like in family spaces in really like subtle, again, microaggressive ways where like, um, you know, it's like, oh, look at your hair. Your hair is so pretty. Oh, you're so lucky you don't have to dye your hair because it's, yes, it's naturally light, right. yes. you know? Um, you know, like, oh, look at your, you know, like, so-and-so has such a pretty smile, you know, like, oh, her eyes are so, are, are so nice, mm-hmm. you know, oh, she can wear makeup so nice. Like, oh, I always I thought totally, that was a weird, yeah. I totally get that because we have babies now in our family. And, and since we had been talking about it, I've been noticing exactly what you say, because you hear the things that, that before used to be normal for me, you know, they would say, oh, she's so cute. She's so light, you know, and it never occurred to me what that means, you know, and the baby's half, 
you know, half black, half Asian. And then they talk about, oh, look, her hair, you know, it's so straight, you know, and, and I don't think, but now that I understand where that's coming from, that erasure, you know, I'm like, wow, you are so correct. Like I see that. And it's, it is kind of sad. Like, yeah. Wow. Like you don't realize that you've been, we've been perpetuating this our whole lives, you know, um, and to not change our way of thinking. That's, that's just such a, um, yeah, a wake up for me. That's kind of wow. Yeah. So like one strategy is to, cause like, um, not that I don't have faith in like our elders, but like, there's just in a lot of situations <laughs> there, I mean, you know, your family and you know that like, there are people who just don't want to hear it. And so yes. the, you know, like the, for us who have the privilege of consciousness, right. It's a, it's about how we model behaviors, right. So I try to make it make a very conscious effort to, it's not that I, 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 I don't shy away from telling like nieces and nephews that they're beautiful. Right. Mm-hmm. But I try, I, I'm very conscious about making sure that that's not the focus, you know, um, you know, like how they experience love for me has to be a, a more holistic experience. Like I want to get to know them as people, you know, I, you know, like, again, I won't shy away from like, oh, you know, like, um, that's a great photo of you or something like that. But I, I try to make it so that they understand that their value to me has absolutely nothing to do with like their hair texture or like their eye shape or anything like that. That's beautiful. I love I, that. Um, I love that. Uh, in the family, thanks. Yes. In the family, I'm the boring auntie. So like, <laughs> everybody knows that when it's Christmas or when it's birthdays, you're going to get books from me. Right? Get- <laughs> I would have loved that. Are you kidding? I would have loved that. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I try to give nerdy books, you know, like um, books that have like, you know, different types of images, you know, uh, diverse books, like, That's um, awesome. mm. so I know my brother's not going to listen to this episode. So <laughs> No one in my family. So last Christmas, um, you know, like my my husband and I were at the bookstore. We're, we're trying to figure out like books to get my niece, and so one of the books we got, uh, it would it it won an award from like uh, this LGBTQ um, group, right? And it's and it's just such a cute book. It's about this boy who wants to be a mermaid, right? Oh. So like about it, yeah. And like my, I, I, my brother and, and his wife, they, they lean a little more on the conservative side. Yeah. And so my husband is like, are you sure you want to buy that? And I was like, look, my job is to give the gift. And then what they do with it is their business. <laughs> I go, this is your you gift. Know, your yeah. gift. You, you take it. <laughs> you will take it. You I don't care if you love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm like I, you know I was like I'm not withholding what the book is about because you know the LGBTQ the the rainbow stickers on the front right yeah. you know it's award-winning right right <laughs> you know so like you know like I try to do that is you know like I try to surround them with um with materials that will empower them and inform them and educate them wow you know because like um, it's hard to have the race conversations, especially because so many people are not equipped to even grapple or think about that. So if you're part of that generation of consciousness that's trying to change the conversation, 
what we have to do is think about the actions that we take, right? Mm -hmm. And it can be in the way in which we interact with the people that we love. It's in the way that we, you know, um, you know, share meals and break bread. It's in the way that we uh, give gifts, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. And like, it's, I feel like it's such a great time now because, you know, like, Filipino literature and books alone have exploded so much. It's fantastic. Awesome. Right. But like when you, when you open up that door and you see like what's out there with respect to like ethnic studies, like black literature, uh, Latinx literature, yeah. LGBTQ, you know, Asian, like Islander, like it's so it's, it's huge. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like in May for API Heritage Month, what I did on Instagram was I posted a book a day because yes, I, I just that. wanted people to see like in the API community, there's so much stuff out there. Right. And I, I yes. was very deliberate about that list uh, because mm -hmm. I wanted to highlight, especially because um, usually when like lists like that are out, it's usually very East Asian. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that if I was going to celebrate API Heritage Month, that the PI was going to be included. So I was very deliberate in including um, literature from like Samoans, Chamorros, Native Hawaiians, Filipinos, you know, um, Oh, I would love to see that Indian. list. I would love to see that. Oh yeah, list. you gotta you gotta email. go on you gotta yeah. go on our Instagram and just. I have a long list. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And, um, I definitely definitely want to do that. And um, yeah. I bought some like physical books, and some of them are audio yeah. books. So it's like a mix. But now it's like I have to like check them off. I'm like, okay, I listen to. It. But I, you know, a lot of great um, choices, variety. I love the variety of it. You know, yeah, we need support all of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, like it's, I think it's hard to have conversations within the family. So it, it comes down to like how we act and interact with the family. Um, we have to recognize that it's not a zero sum game. Like we're not gonna have one conversation and then like reach this, like, you know, Mecca, <laughs> right. of, you know, this, because, because if that were the case, then, you know, like all of these problems would have stopped when roots went on the air. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like a sitcom, you know, they just yeah. wrap it up at the end. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you do like, that... feel like, I feel like I hurt people's feelings when I bring stuff up. It's like, right. It's like, yeah. So I'm supposed to be uncomfortable for the rest of my life but I can't make you feel uncomfortable. So I'm me and my husband are changing that idea of like, why are we making it comfortable for other people to be yeah. having conversations? Like let them be uncomfortable. They'll live. Like we yeah. have to change our, we have to change mm -hmm. our expectations of yeah. ourselves. Let's just have it. But I like the idea of the actions because I always feel like that. I, I, I generally feel like that exactly how you're saying, like focus on, um, other ways, other avenues to bring in diversity. Mm -hmm. But I always felt like that with, you know, with body image, because mm -hmm. I never in our family, and that's a whole other podcast is like, you know, skinny is better. And um, so even if they are skinny, I don't even I don't even focus on that. I'm like, what are you doing in school? Like, yes. good job on graduating. You're going to college. Great. What yeah. are you studying? You know what I mean? Like, why yeah. aren't we like that? So I'm the aunt that focuses more on accomplishments and like yeah. where are you going and bravo to you. And it's less about how you look. 
You know, yeah. That's like Dr. J, like what she said about, you know, focusing on the things that, <laughs> you know, make the person unique and who they are, not accordance to what they look like or, you know, and that's beautiful because, you know, like we all know growing up, that's not what, you know, was the standard of what was important to our elders. You know, it was, yeah. oh, you lost weight. Oh, you gained weight. Oh, you know, and it was never what are you doing with your life? You know, that that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Are you so. happy? Are yeah. you happy, happy in your yeah. marriage yeah, or, exactly. or your relationships <laughs> or how are your students? Like, it's mm-hmm. always like, I think you gained 10 pounds. Like, <laughs> well, I think you lost 10 pounds. That looks great. But, <laughs> you know, but yeah, that's a whole other thing. But colorism, yeah, is more subtle, I feel like, because no one wants to straight out say it, but mm-hmm. we know it's happening. Yeah, yeah. I it's didn't realize subtle, I was doing it. Yeah, no. And and we all, you know, like we're all guilty because like I, I was in another uh, session um, with this group and like the, the thing that we have to remember, especially as we engage or re-engage with like our family and our friends and what have you is that I think we just have to be upfront that like we've all been guilty of like, you know, hurting others. Other people are, you know, everyone else is guilty of like hurting you, right? Like we all enter the, these conversations and these interactions from this place of like, you know, uh, being the perpetrators of like racism and, and, you know, colorism. But the idea is that we, again, like anti-racist work is about developing that conscious, that consciousness and to really change the structures that allow racism to exist. It's not, you know, like, it's not going to be perfect. That's why like, especially on social media, this whole idea of like being woke, right? Mm -hmm. The problem with like the politics of like being woke is that, okay, so someone did something bad, you shame them out of their their life and their job. And granted, some people deserve that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like some of the, some Karens deserve that. Mm -hmm. But like, but then the question becomes like, what happens when they've lost everything? How do you build that person back up? That's the part of, Mm -hmm. you know, social media cancellation that we don't get to see. Mm-hmm. You know, um, cause yeah, like, uh, so, cause this is an election year and like earlier this, uh, when there were still candidates, right. <laughs> um, uh, one of the candidates first Asian American male who had like a viable shot at the candidacy, Andrew Yang mm-hmm. received a lot of flack for basically forgiving, uh, that this comedian Shane Gillis for making racist remarks against him. And, you know, Shane Gillis had already lost his stint on SNL, but like a lot of people were upset at Andrew Yang. And I I really appreciated him really going against the grain and saying like, look, this guy at the end of the day, like still needs a job. And if we cancel him completely, like what is the lesson learned here? If we're Mm -hmm. trying to like make people better, how do we build that person? You know, so like, you know, like when we engage with our family and friends and our loved ones, like we have to remember that like these are people that we love. Right. And it's okay to make them uncomfortable because I have in, in the past made family uncomfortable. And the thing that I noticed, at least in my experience, was that when you make them uncomfortable because they said certain things, then they consciously know, okay, I don't say this around you. Right. Mm-hmm, exactly. And then, and even though like, and, and they, it may not seem like they're doing the work to change the fact that they would make the conscious effort to not say that around you, you know, like, you know, like it's a start when, yeah, when they recognize that what they say, you know, the thing that they said, especially to you was hurtful. Mm. It makes them rethink what they're going to say, you know? So 
like it's it's like it's you're playing the long game here because I still have this relationship with my mom you know like where she'll say inappropriate things but like over the years she says it less and less because she understands the impact that it has both on me but also like how I interact with her right you know because like there are times when like I've had to cancel my mom because I don't want to be around (laughs) you know like certain conversations and like on her part it becomes this well do I continue holding on to like these ideas that I have and and sacrifice a relationship with my daughter or do I do the work you know like or do do I become like reflective and like maintain a relationship with my daughter because I had this interaction with my mom recently um, you know, like when the the BLM protests were happening and we were on the phone mm. and my mom goes, who's this Floyd person? And it, mm. immediately I was like, oh, I'm not Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> right. And so, you know, <laughs> developing the tiny habit, like taking the right. breath. And I, you know, I asked her what she knew. And then like, I filled in some of the, you know, some of the details that she didn't know. And I was, I had this moment where I was so profoundly proud of my mom because she Mm -hmm. goes, wait, the police did that just for that? You know, like, she's like, just for that? You know, Mm -hmm. like, she was so outraged. And like, I will never forget what she kept saying. She said, she said, that is not right. The police Mm -hmm. should not do that to a person. The police mm-hmm. should not do that. To, she just kept saying that the police should not do that to a person. And she didn't do what I thought she was going to do, which was like interrogate. Well, what did George Floyd do? Yeah. She, just, you know, like mom, my mom was just very much like, that's not right. The police should not treat a person that way. That's not mm-hmm. what you do to a person. And I was like, I'm so proud of you mom (laughs) yeah wow yeah so it's like we also have to give credit to our loved ones where credit is due because I know for me I'm always on the defensive you know I go to family party and I'm like you you and you are gonna say (laughs) shit right like but you know like everybody's on their own journey and so we also have to like recognize when like they've you know like when they've shown some semblance of like evolution but we also know some people won't so but yeah yeah, like just recognize that and you know like focus on the actions well thank you joanne um before we leave i do want to talk about your writing okay and when that's coming out because i'm all (laughs) over it i'm all over we're all over it we're gonna be talking about that but tell us more about how you were included in that project and what book and when it's coming out all that Okay, so the um, so there is an anthology called Whiter, um, and it's uh, it's an anthology edited by Nikki Kana, Doctor Nikki Kana, and um, it's out. You can get it at you know uh, various booksellers, and it's it's a great anthology. It's a collection of stories about colorism from Asian American women. Um, all different, you know, like all different varieties of Asian American women. And so I have a piece in there called The Very Best of You. And, um, you know, it's a a fairly personal piece about, uh, you know, like how colorism has impacted me, you know, because 
um, yeah, like I actually, I had to update my website yesterday, um, you know, cause like when I was writing this and this is, I wrote this like a few years ago, mm. like it was the first piece of writing that I had done since the dissertation and mind you, like the dissertation was done in like 2012. Mm -hmm. And when I wrote this piece and it's fairly short, I think, um, like it's not long, but like it took a lot out of me because I realized like, oh my God, I could actually be a person in this writing mm -hmm. because as academics and, you know, like I think a lot of students know this, like academics are expected to write as if we are not people who are intrinsically connected to the research that we do. Right. That's why I like academic reading. I'm the first to say it as a professor, academic, <laughs> it's so boring and dry. <laughs> unattainable and it's because academics when we are trying to like get tenure you know like we're writing for the field and when you write for the field you're really writing I feel like it's like in, in my head what it looks like it's this league of it's this panel of people who are not people it's like they're it's like these statues that we're writing for right and the statues that have no life have to like approve what we write and that's why the the writing gets so impersonal and like for me you know um and not every academic is like this but like the research projects that i choose are always rooted in you know like the life that i live right so that's why colorism i did at one point and i'm sure i will pick this up because like i have like my list of like books the first book mm -hmm. was going to be on colorism the second book was going to be on fat and then mm -hmm. like after that you know i would be full professor and then i'm just going to do like a bunch of anthologies because i just don't want to do work anymore <laughs> like, <laughs> right yeah <laughs> that, was the, that was the life i had like designed and then you know the economy had other plans but um, when I wrote that piece, like it was, it took a lot out of me because like I really had to dig in and like really articulate very painful memories. So one of them was when I was in the Philippines and we went to Imelda Park mm -hmm. and like my aunt, um, because I was the dark one and the ugly one in the family, she made me hold hands with one of the boys, mm -hmm. right? And she said like, oh, hold his hand because you two are matching. And, wow. you know, yeah. And so like in all the pictures, there's us holding hands. And so like I talked about like that process. Yeah. And then um, I shared another uh, memory of like being in the classroom where I was a TA at the time and we were watching this documentary on Filipino domestic workers. And, you know, like when I was leading the discussion with my students, you know, one of my students was, um, <clears throat> she was like from Singapore and she had Filipino domestics and she mm. went on and on and on about how her maids are not as smart as the ones in the documentary. Oh, like gosh. the documentary wow. was misleading because Jeez. maids just aren't that smart. They're not as, they're not as educated and, you know, like, and I didn't, I didn't push the student. I didn't challenge her mm. because I saw her lightness as already like more powerful than me. Cause here yes. I was the dark skinned, you know, like the, the comparatively dark skinned person here. I was like in graduate school already feeling like an imposter, you know? Mm. So like that oh. piece was a, a relief for me because I could be a person writing something, but putting, you know, like putting like my academic background into context, because that's always yes. my goal 
is that when people write anything, when people read anything that I write, the, my goal is that you walk away understanding your own life in a different way or your own family or your own relationship in a different way. Because to me, that's the point of being an academic. Mm-hmm. At least that's a point for me to be an academic. I don't think, a lot, I, I know a lot of academics don't have that same goal, but um, that's always my goal. And so can I just so say, Dr. J, that that's how you've made me feel with oh, talking to you today. <laughs> I feel like I have learned something. Like I am walking away with something and now like I can sit and reflect on that. Like, but it makes not, doesn't make me feel so alone anymore where I yeah. felt like, why do I hate my, you know, why do I hate my people or not hate, but you know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. why am I so like wanting to be away from them, like distance mm-hmm. them? But now that makes sense. Nothing. Yeah. The thing that I will say about like this, this notion of erasure, right. And why, you know, so many of us in, in our community are invested in this idea of like erasing ourselves, you know, like, I think a lot of this has to do again with like that, that separation of, mm-hmm. of like, you know, of our histories, but it also, um, Oh my God, I lost my train of thought. Give me just a second. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just feel like we're always othering each other. We're othering each other all the time. And there's just a disconnect when we're trying to, I mean, I think all races kind of do that where you're just constantly like categorizing and splitting each other, you know, the opposite of solidarity, just kind of like that's them, not me. That's the others. That's Indian natives those are modern these are model modern it's like that like i think that's where it's problematic like when you feel like that's them not me yeah so i i think so that investment in erasure i think is rooted in the fact that so many of us are raised to not see ourselves as having historical value and historical presence Right. Like, um, I remember in college, I used, I I remember sitting in a car with my friend Arvin and I told him, I said, Arvin, what I'm about to say is going to sound really dumb. And he goes, okay. And I go, I think of myself as someone who is a part of history. Like, you know, when I interact Mm. with you or like, I actually think that what I do shapes, you know, shapes the larger history, even though I know I'm not important. Right. And like, and and I think that's that's why so many people are heavily invested in these projects of whiteness is because we don't actually see ourselves as a part of history. We don't see ourselves mm. as intrinsically important. And I think that if we start to do that, if we start to understand the everyday things that we do as connected to something much larger that is that is historically or politically or sociologically significant then it starts to change how we navigate the world that we live in. It starts to change how we understand like the everyday action, right? You know, um, if I know that like my words are going to impact my niece, you know, you know, like it's going to impact like her historical world, then I now know my words better be, you know, like rooted in love. Mm -hmm. It has to be rooted in ensuring that um, she's going to be, 
an empowered person because when I do that, like if I plant that seed, that's the seed that she's going to plant in someone else. So I think that like, instead of investing in whiteness or investing in the erasure of ourselves, if we understand that we're all like rooted, you know, like that we function as rooted people in the world, then we should interact with each other as rooted people in the world. I'd like to know, can I take that class online, your class? That sounds okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so beautiful. I'm just like, wow, I'm just feeling the love, the warmth right now. Like, just, my heart's opened up. It's like such oh. a weird, like, that's awesome. Like, I've never, it's just so, I just love what you've had to say. And it's like, just so kumbaya, everybody. Kumbaya. I know. Oh. I, was, I was like, that is like the best way to end Perful. it because oh. I don't, there's nothing else I could say to top that other than thank you, Dr. Professor, Dr. Jonah, Odilia. Like you have to come on again and talk yes. about like new projects that you have. And, um, I yes. when you want to do the fat episode, you let oh, me yeah, know. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, we do. We're, we do it every 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 week. We do it in a little thing. <laughs> We're doing our own research. Yeah. Uh, no, but I feel like every time you, you talk, I was like, wow, what a jewel, a gem that we have. Totally um, inspired, inspired, inspired. Oh my god! Like I feel like okay, we're on the right track, and the things, the things that we do. And the intention, intentions that we have in our actions, what that's what I'm getting from what you're saying, matter. And that's true. If you really yeah. feel like you're part of history, you would think differently about how you, you um, act and engage with, re-engage with people. So thank you so much. Um, thank you. Joanne, like, this has thank been you. so Priceless. great. Priceless, I was looking honestly. forward to this day for a very long she time. Was. She was. She, <laughs> she always talks so highly of you. And I, Yeah, I was like, John's I on my wish I list. <laughs> I was like, but it has to be the perfect time. And it was like, I know we we're both teaching, but, but like, this has superseded my expectations. Like, I think you're a lot of people that I know that I've talked about colorism, they can't wait to listen to this. So, I'm oh, like, yay. Yeah. So, thank you so much. Thank for you. Thank you. How have you experienced colorism? Think of a time when you experienced prejudice and discrimination within your people, family, or friends. What did you say? How did you respond? How did you feel? What was the most striking thing you learned today with our conversation with Dr. Rondia? If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us so we can gain more visibility and be discovered by listeners like you. We'd love to hear from you. Leave a comment on our social media pages like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for The Coconut Connection. Our handles are in the show's notes. Or you can email us at coconutconnection, the number two, at gmail.com. Okay, so what did we think of that conversation with uh, Dr. Joe Randilla? What did that we was think powerful. About that was really powerful. What was the thing and, that stuck out to you? You know, it's the erasure, like erasure and about the Chinese, you know, when she was talking about the Chinese culture and how they came over and how they were seen as business people, but then they also were seen as not good because they were kind of taking away from the people. And I say that because our heritage, when we did a family tree, we realized that 
we actually are descended from, we have a Chinese Mm -hmm. actually last name, not the one that they thought that we had, but the fact that they changed it because they didn't want to be related Mm -hmm. to the Chinese. And now it makes sense, you know, and it just, it's opened my eyes to why I felt the way I have about my own people and about myself. And now I just, I want to do more research on that, you know, but that, that was what was powerful for me. I think what was powerful for me was um, how she was saying how uh, when you're invested into white nationalism, underlying white supremacy, when you're just rooted in that, it's hard for you to, to, um, make uh not make amends but um to kind of like know where you stand in this whole black lives matter it's kind of like are you going against it are you were you investing in the wrong thing Mm -hmm. um but she also says like we should invest in ourselves as rooted people yes like just certain things that she said um was uh was really speaking to me like um modeled behavior and focusing Mm -hmm. Focus, your actions and your words should match. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Your actions and your words should match being your authentic self, but also that um, focusing on other things in which I've always been, I'm the aunt that's always like, of course you're beautiful. Like I don't want to focus on that yeah. because beauty fades, you, you become curvier, whatever, you know, um, but, but your accomplishments will always stay. So I like that she talked about that. Um, I mean, I could have gone on and on oh, all I know. day talking she's, to her about just that because she's so, I, I need to have everything her back she on said. again. And like something she said about the hard work without the hard work return, you know, mm-hmm. doing the hard work without that. Really it's hard work and that's why it's hard yes. to do. Yes. But and if I, you think of it in, as a long, the long game, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the story with her mom, like that's out of, many, many uh, talks and influences. And I I see that now with people that I know that eventually you talk about it, they either change their mind Mm -hmm. or they just don't bring it up in front of you. That's true. (laughs) So I'm just like, that is so true. I definitely want to check out the wider anthology, which is out already. I didn't realize it was out by Nikki Kana. And with, um, she does a chapter called The Very Best of You um, by Dr. Joanne. And I definitely want to ch- check that out. Um, and then PBS um, in May, they had an Asian American series and it has, it does include Filipinos in it. So check that out as well. Um, thank you for listening to our podcast, The Coconut Connection. I'm Jade. And I'm G. Until next time, try smize. No stink eye. Stay woke. Not broke. Peace.